I can be in a department store, see someone and know they're going to be, they're going to pass on within two weeks. I don't tell them that, you know, that's, that's, that's between them and whoever they believe in. Okay. You know, you, the universe, Buddha, God, it doesn't matter. Um, there is a universal force, I believe, that we connect to because you have an energy that brings out your personality and it either attracts people to you and things to you or it repels it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Infinite Cast. Do you believe in ghosts? Is there an afterlife? I certainly don't believe in this, but if you're like me, after this conversation, you will change your mind like I did. We are here with an incredible person. She's a best-selling author and a paranormal investigator. Some of her books include Toe to Toe, Grave Intent, Water Witch. This is the scariest episode ever. I'm warning you, get ready to be freaked out. Listen to the conversation and I present to you, I present to you, the lady who deals in the dark, Deborah LeBlanc. novelist you're a psychic investigator so how did all this start for you oh, oh my gosh yeah well I, i've been a psychic give me a short version of your whole life to a life story oh my you have two hours <laughs> <laughs> i've been a psychic um medium though i didn't know what that was ever okay. since i was a child okay i don't see um, I don't see visually a dead person or a ghost, but in my mind's eye, I can tell if there are people around you, spirits around you. And like there is one gentleman that's standing behind your chair right now, um, an older, uh, an older gentleman that is he has one hand on the chair and he's smiling. Um, and he is an ancestor of yours. I don't know if it's a great grandfather, um, but he and he's speaking in a language that I don't understand, but I get the meaning of it. If that makes sense. Yeah. And he's saying that look at and this must be a pretty close relative grandfather, great grandfather, but he knew you. Um, well, he if he wasn't on this earth, he saw when you were born and he watched you grow up. And he said, look at my boy. He says, my boy. And um, how he is so proud of you and how well you represent the lineage, his, your family. That he's very proud of what you do. And he said, he's saying, uh, if you don't mind my saying it on your podcast, that um, 
what you're hoping to accomplish is going to come to pass. Be patient because some people and things have to come your way to make it happen. But you're you are good at picking up the signs that you need to follow. And he said, just stick with that. Your intuition, your heart, most of all, because it's the purity of heart that leads you down the right path. But he has got a big smile on his face. He he sort of looks like you. Uh, there's a resemblance. So I can tell it's family. Um, it feels like a father figure, which to me um, is either a paternal grandfather or I don't know if your dad has passed on. Has he? No. no? Okay. Then it is a grandfather or great grandfather. It's paternal. So, um, but he's very proud of you and wants to thank you for bringing pride to the family. Okay, first of all, let me tell you this. It's very hard to believe for me. Yes. Mm -hmm. And okay, I'm, I'm really scared right now. <laughs> I don't know how to express it. So, uh, yes, so... Uh, I don't know. I'm speechless right now. So, uh, do you? Since how long? Like it's it's. Uh, what do you call that power? Power that uh, that you have seeing the spirits. I think everybody does when they're children. When they're small, um, we all have. You have intuition that you feel in your gut of uh, yeah. what's right and what's wrong. Um, I think we're all intuitive and psychic in some way. We're born with more senses than our five basic senses. But as we get older, we either squell them down, we brush them off as just our thoughts or our imagination. And But they were coming so quickly and so fast for me. Um, and my grandmother was the same way. And she believed everything I said. Uh, so she taught me how to listen, watch for the signs, pay attention because they were coming to me to give messages to loved ones. And that was my job was to deliver the message, whatever that was. So I could have been in the middle of a thousand people giving a speech. And this has happened before where I one guy way in the back, I'm seeing this woman behind him and she is radiating so much love for this boy that my heart's beating really fast. And it's like, I can't wait to finish what I'm speaking about because I got to grab this boy. I'll have to tell him. And the woman's name was very odd. She was trying to tell me her name and it came out. It wasn't Alita. It was a lot of or it was a, an odd name. So I rushed off the stage at the end of my presentation and I catch the guy before he's out the door. And I said, 
excuse me, this is going to sound crazy. I know. But did you know someone by the name of either Alita, Alada? And immediately he tells me his grandmother's name. And it sounds very similar to what I was saying. And I said, this is your grandmother, without a doubt. And I said, she is exuding so much love for you. It just trans transmuted over that whole audience to the stage so I could, I felt it pulsating against me. And I, you know, was able to tell that to him. Um, it's not always spirits that I see. Sometimes it's the present. Um, we were, I was attending a workshop and there yeah. was a woman. I, I kept getting the name Priscilla, Priscilla, Priscilla. And it was insistent. And I turned around and I saw a woman sitting right behind me. And I just looked at her and I said, you wouldn't happen to know a woman by the name of Priscilla. She said, that's my mother's name. I said, because I had a flash of something of a scene going through my mind's eye. I said, you may want to call your mom. I knew she wasn't dead. I said, and tell her not to get on the road if she can, because I sense that she'll get into an accident, not um, a tragic accident, but one that's going to really mess up her car because it's raining wherever she is. So in front of me, she picks up her phone, calls her mom. Mom, what are you doing? I'm about to leave to go to Walmart, but it's pouring outside. I'm waiting for it to slow down so I can get to my car. And the woman is just turns white. And she said, do not leave. Don't go. Wait till tomorrow. And she looked at me and I said, tomorrow's fine. Today, no. So we can be today. It can be an event that hasn't happened yet. Um, or something that's happened um, in the 1700s. Sometimes uh, in my paranormal investigations, I go into these old houses and I pick up multiple generations there. And there are people on my paranormal team who do invest, who do historical investigations to, to check my accuracy and give it to the owners. So 99.8% of the time, I'm spot on. Sounds interesting. Sounds interesting and unbelievable. Like, I'm not a person, like, I don't believe in ghosts, spirits, or even God, right? I don't, I, yes. I don't yeah. believe in everything. So it's really yeah. interesting. It's really interesting to hear you. And so... So uh, you see every single time. So uh, do you see spirits around people every, every single time you meet people? No, not with everyone. Um, I, for example, I was in um, on, on a movie set for, I don't know if you're familiar with MTV. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I know. MTV had a program called, Is He the One? And it was about, 
Oh, silly. It was about very young girls, 18 to 21, that were hooked up with boys and to see who fit together, if any did. Yeah. Well, they decided to put them in a purportedly haunted house, which was a plantation not far from where I live. And they asked the team to go there and do an investigation before the kids got there. So we did. And, the, you know, they came in in a limousine. They walked to the house. We were like the last thing they were thinking about. And they went through the rooms and said, and I could hear the girls, you know, they freaked themselves out. Oh, my gosh. It's so creepy in here. And there's nothing there. You know, I knew there was nothing here. So they come out and I see this one girl and I said, you had a friend who recently got into a car accident, didn't you? And she just stared at me and I said, her name was Brittany. And she wants you to know that she's sorry that she was so angry with you because you didn't want to come with them, but you would not have survived that accident. And so she's grateful that you said no. And that girl in the middle of the program was sobbing because it was true. Now I'm leaving. (laughs) This just goes to show you how obscure this is. I'm leaving and I see this short Well, short, stocky, um, Latino man standing near the wall and something is screaming at me to go over there in my head. So I go up to him. I didn't know who he was. And I said, excuse me, my name is Deborah. And if I don't give out that message, said they're going to follow me home. Okay. Until I get it. Until I give that message and then I'm free of them. I said, there is a little woman, an older woman with white, um, dark gray streaks in her hair. She's got it pulled back in a bun. And she's, uh, she feels like your maternal grandmother. And that guy took a deep breath and held it. And I said, she's standing next to you with her hand on your your suit coat. And she's saying, this is my grandson. And she's speaking Spanish, which I don't speak. And I could understand her as clearly as if she was speaking English. He said, we came from poor and look at the big man he is now. I didn't know this was the producer of that program. And he just started bawling because he was the first one in his family to get out of poverty and make something out of himself. And so she was there to acknowledge that and to tell them for me to tell him she was proud of him, just as this gentleman is saying to you. In fact, he's wearing a he's still there. He's wearing a white It almost looks like what we would call a nightshirt, you know, a white long garment. Um, And 
so this guy just started. I mean, it's obscure. It can pop up anywhere. I can be in a department store, see someone and know they're going to be they're going to pass on within two weeks. I don't tell them that, you know, that's 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 between them and whoever they believe in. Okay. You know, you the universe, Buddha, God, it doesn't matter. Um, there is a universal force, I believe, that we connect to because you have an energy that brings out your personality and it either attracts people to you and things to you or it repels it, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I just am, I guess, tuned into it and I allowed it to be, I allowed it, I allowed myself to be a conduit for it because it helps people. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So uh, have, have you ever faced with a question uh, saying like, you're wrong and uh, I don't believe in this, you're absolutely wrong, you're talking crazy. Uh, did, did you face this kind of questions from people? To uh, no. who, did you uh, okay? So, did you uh, like nobody? So, everyone you encountered with everyone used to believe your, uh, uh, your spiritual, your spirit thing, which you're saying to me right now. Everybody, yes, some people that I sense are um, skeptical, very yeah. skeptical. Um, I will ask that spirit for details like that gentleman behind you. Um, I, I wanted to, to understand what he was wearing because okay. it, it's not a suit, you know, like you're wearing it's, okay. it's, I, does that make sense to you? This I white. Get it. Okay. I get it. Um, so it's, I asked him for more details so okay. that, it connects with that person. Okay. Can, could cameras see spirits? Can cameras? Yes. Yes. They pick them up every so often. Sometimes in mirrors, sometimes at the corner of doorways, because not they don't normally just stand out in the middle of a room. Okay. You know, they're more afraid of us, I think, than we are of them. I'm not I, I'm not afraid of them. So they often come out and will talk to me. But the one thing I protect myself from are the negative spirits, you know, things that are demonic because okay. the, there are some bad entities out there that were never human, that were never human. And they they cause um they cause <laughs> they cause people to murder each other they cause um possession they they just they i don't mess with that when i come across something like that i will typically go and get someone of that person's faith to come to the house and deal with that spirit because I'm not a demonologist. I just know what's there. 
but I don't claim to have power to get to send them back to wherever they came from. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And yes, uh, and I'm really, really scared. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. And it's 8 p.m. right now, and I'm, I'm sitting in a room. No one's there at my home. Wow. And the stories are really like, the, it's, it's I'm really, uh, at this moment, I used to believe that there are no spirits, there's no this shit. So, uh, what, what is the science behind this? I just see them. Um, for example, um, it's like uh, writing. When I'm writing a novel, yeah. to write, I have to see a scene in my head for it to make sense to me. And when I, I sit in my computer and simply write out what I see, seeing spirits is basically the same thing, except they just, they're suddenly there. And I don't, you know, I've learned the hard way that to give the message as quickly as I can, because if I don't, it's going to follow me to my hotel room, to my house, to wherever I go until I give that message. Because they know I see them. They know I hear them. So if they find somebody with that ability, they're going to stick with them until the message gets to their loved one. Yeah. Interesting. So how do you... Uh, okay. Okay. Let me... Uh, Yes, uh, I'll just uh, take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> breathe, Sid, <and> breathe. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you write stories. So you can uh, you your books are based on real life stories. Am I right? Yes, they're novels, but most of them. Um, include things I've experienced. Um, for one novel, for example, I had a character that got locked in a casket. I didn't know what that felt like. I was in funeral service for about 10 years as a consultant. Uh, so I was familiar with the business and, of course, caskets. Well, I asked a friend of mine, to lock me into a casket so I could see what that felt like. So when I wrote it, it came to life for the reader. I, you know, it's not like you were going to go locking yourself in a casket and say, nah, she wrote that wrong. But mm -hmm. I wanted you to taste it, feel it. I just wanted it to become real. Yeah. So I had myself locked in a casket. Yeah. Um, I've done some pretty crazy things to experience um, some of the things my characters had to go through. So I could give it, so I can make it as real as possible to my readers. Yeah. So how do you uh, uh, imagine something? And so, so how do you put your imaginations into a book? How do you uh, make the reader to feel it instead of just reading a story? How, how do you make it uh, make the reader to feel? I make Is there it any this... tips and tricks to write the book? 
or is there is there, a, is there a way or is there a style that you write in your books? My stories are, I want to make it visceral. I want to make it so as so when you read it, you feel like you're there. And it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You're so trapped in that story that nothing's going to break your concentration. Okay. That's what I want, because that's what okay. I love to read. Somebody that really tells a great story. Yeah. So uh, we'll, uh, I have a couple of questions from my listeners. I'll just read it out to you. Is that OK? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just a second. Just a second. Just give me a second. Yeah, the first question is, are ghosts always evil? No. Oh, no, no. Sometimes you have what's called residual energy. For example, it's like an echo. If you were to go to the Grand Canyon, you, I'm sure you're familiar with it, yeah. and yell, which I've done, I've I've leaned over the edge and yelled and that echo goes on forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Sometimes when you have somebody that's been, say, um, a woman who loved to cook, she was very dom domestic. You can sense residual energy in the kitchen. You can feel her in the kitchen. It's not like she's there. Yeah. It's the echo of her yeah. presence. Yeah, but real entities or real spirits will sometimes they can move objects if they uh, they see they have to learn just like we do. Okay. I had to fine tune what I saw and what I heard. Um, so they have to learn as well in this world yeah. how to move objects or make themselves known. Sometimes they'll open a cabinet door and and it's only to get their loved one's attention. The evil ones, you have to be careful because sometimes they'll come across as innocent children that you don't know. Or they'll come across as some um, something innocent, but then. You've got to watch at a distance because that can change into something very evil. Um, poltergeist activity will start. Things will start moving all over the house. Yeah. I have been in a place where the, the refrigerator transmuted to the kit to the garage. It was there in the kitchen. And then. We're turning around talking to somebody, turn back this way, no refrigerator. It's in the garage. That's where we discovered it. That's when I left and contacted um, some people that I knew uh, of that person's faith to come into the house because that was demonic. It was Were you bad. not scared? Were you not scared? No, I just do. It's like it's kind of like a surgeon. OK, they have to go in and do an appendectomy. For example, they go in and all of a sudden they see this person is riddled with cancer. 
All they do is close them up and they call in an oncologist. They're not scared. They just know it's different and out of scope, out of their scope. So I know it's out of scope. (laughs) I'm saying, oh, no. Anything that can pick up a refrigerator and move it to the garage. I'm not interested in talking to. (laughs) (laughs) Let's uh, move on to the next question. Okay. So why do ghost hunters use thermal imaging cameras? They use different cameras. They use thermal imaging. They use uh, night vision. They use um, electromagnetic uh, sometimes. Yes, they use all different types because what they're trying to catch is a full bodied apparition. And a spirit has to generate enough energy, one, for you to even see their shadow, a, a black shadow. For them to do a full manifestation takes a lot of energy. And if they can't collect it, then we can't see them with our naked eye. Sometimes um, I have a thermal uh, a thermal imaging camera that I use that can detect cold or dark spots and images. And I've had it go off a couple of times. I couldn't see it. But I saw, I saw it turn blue in the, in the shape of a human yeah. down a hallway. Yeah. So we use, we use different, I have suitcases, big trunks of hunting equipment that we all bring um, to capture evidence, to show others that life does exist once we die. There is an afterlife. Um, What does that afterlife consist of? You know, the spirits that I've talked to have always been at peace and in a they are either assigned to a karmically. Get that karmically. They are assigned back here on Earth to watch over someone. Um, This gentleman that stands behind you is there as your, um, I don't know if you use guardian angel or protector, or maybe you don't believe in any of that, but there is someone across this veil that is assigned to every living human being when they're born. And they they can't see them, but they do. Have you ever been like this, a hair away from an accident? Just yeah, escape something. Yeah. yeah that gentleman is the one that caused that avoidance. Wow. That he was the one that stopped it. Wow. So who's your guardian or who's your uh Savior or angel? Well, I do believe in God and Christ. Um, And I have a very strong faith that um, some people who are psychic and mediums say, I have a spirit guide named George. 
I don't know. I just I I don't have a spirit guide named George. I trust in just I trust in what I see, what I think, what I feel and leave it at that. I'm not trusting. I trust that if it's bad, that God or whomever will let me know this is not the place you're supposed to be. It's a strong, strong feeling that I can't break away from. I, but like I said, I've also learned that if it is positive, you better give that message or you won't sleep. You won't. It's going to it's going to nag you until you find that person and spit it out. Yeah. So uh, if, if everybody has a savior or a guardian angel like that, so uh, why yes. do people die? Why do people fail in their life? If someone Be is there to save them, uh, save them. We we come into this life. Um, it's odd and this may sound odd to you, but okay. from what I understand, we we chose the life we were going to live before we were born. We knew what it was going to look like. I have a three-year-old grandchild that passed away five years ago. Yeah. And which nearly destroyed me because she was so close to my heart. I knew, though, when I held her and fed her, I would sob and sob. Because in my heart, I knew she wasn't here for long. I couldn't explain it. I didn't know when, but I knew she wasn't here for long. And when she passed away, it was from SIDS, my sudden infant death syndrome. Uh, she, I heard her spirit. I, I felt it and heard her say, Everybody has a journey that they come to in this life to accomplish something. Because in a prior life, whether you believe in that or not, in another, and I don't think we go from human to grasshoppers. I don't think that. I think that there is um, some, something we have to learn in this journey on in life, whether it's to be kinder to people, more patient. Um, if we really messed up in our former life and were thieves and or a murderer or something of that sort, we have to come back and make amends in this life. Well, my granddaughter knows, I know she was here specifically for two reasons. To, to help my daughter who had her and to help my husband who never understood what unconditional love meant until she was born. And it was a phenomenal experience for him. It was it was life altering for him. So she accomplished the goal with him. But my daughter refused to accept that this is the path you're going 
And if you keep going that way, you're going to hit a brick wall and you're going to it's going to keep repeating itself. Well, she died four months after her daughter. In a fiery car crash. So. um, In what I think and not it's not necessarily what I believe because I'm Catholic and we're not taught that we're in fact we are told there is no, you know, you're not, you don't come back. You don't choose your life. I don't follow that doctrine. And mm-hmm. that's based off of what I've seen and heard the spirits tell me. Yeah. I think my granddaughter comes around um, to check on my husband, especially. She was very, very, she was autistic. She never spoke. For three years, she never uttered a word, but she was very close to him. And I think she comes by to check on him one night. He's not psychic, but one night we were watching television and he gasped. I said, what's wrong? He said, I, I could have sworn I saw the shadow of a little girl go around that corner. And I just knew it was Amelia, you know, our granddaughter. And I didn't say anything, but his face had gone white because he knew that he knew he saw it. And I think she comes around just to check on him from time to time. As for me, other psychics. um, Now, when I say other psychics, I'm very skeptical of psychics. And mediums, because I think there are a lot of frauds out there just trying to make money off of people. So I investigate a psychic to the extreme. And every time I've walked into their office, the first thing they say is, who are all these people following you? So I think I have a troop of my family members that are hanging out to protect me and because they know what I do. And um, I never feel I'm in danger. I'll go up in an attic, in the dark attic, to see if there's anything trapped up there, any spirit trapped up there. That's why I'm not afraid. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So uh, I'm so sorry for what happened with your granddaughter, first of all. And uh, next, uh, we'll uh, on to the next question. So uh, um, do you see the spirits of animals too? I have seen uh, a couple of times. I have seen um, uh, two Twin uh, men that were in their 20s that appeared before or alongside of their mothers. And I could see doubt in the mother's eyes. I described him. I mean, he gave he showed me a complete description and he described what he was wearing, which happened to be the clothes she buried him in. And the trick was the kicker was I said he's holding a dog 
I said, it's a little rat terrier, black and white spots with pointy ears that are long. They look like they could be helicopter, you know, uh, blades. Yeah. And she she was that she was blown away. She said the dog that was his dog. Um, I think she said is she called him. He called her Pepper and she passed away a month after he did. It was like she mourned him so much. She passed away. And I said, well, Pepper is with him. He's holding her. That's what this. That's when she knew that her son was there. Wow. It's, uh, it is so. I, uh, I am a person like I haven't seen anything happen to me in my life. I haven't seen any ghosts or any spirits mm -hmm. or any sort of. And I think I am fortunate for that. Like I, I'm really scared of ghosts. And I, I just uh, uh, we usually see in movies, right? They, yes. they portray the ghosts in like too brutally evil, right? Yeah. yeah so that's, that's so. I have a I have a similar question with this uh, regarding this. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Just a second. Yeah, I have seen numerous movies. How far is it real? It's when they're talking about movies like The Exorcist. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. That was real. Um, <laughs> zombies do not exist. Yeah. I get it. Vampires do not exist. Yeah. Um. Evil spirits, though, like with the exorcist, that was based off a real case. There were two people, demonologists called Ed and Lorraine Warren. They were renowned demonologists. They worked for the they worked as a liaison with the Catholic Church to investigate a case to see if there was enough evidence for an exorcist to come in and do an exorcism. And that was the case up in the uh, in New England. That was the real deal. It was the real deal. Now, except in The Exorcist, the one possessed was a girl. In the real story, it was a boy around her age. Okay. But that kind of stuff, um, Hollywood, you know, Hollywood isn't going to do the nicey nicey stuff. Yeah. They want the blood, guts, and gore, and the spitting pea soup, and you yeah. know, stuff flying all over the house. Because, because their job is to scare you, to entertain yeah. you. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so how how is it uh, go? So, what is illiteracy? Uh, what, uh, what does your nonprofit organization do? I did um, a book signing uh, in 2007. Yeah. That took me to 36 states in three months. And I went into, I know it was through over 350 bookstores mm -hmm. to sign, to do a signing. Yeah. And I would see teenagers in their little coffee shops that are in the bookstores. Yeah. And I would. So I talked to them. 
Who is your favorite author? What do you enjoy reading? 97. And I calculated it out throughout the states I went. 97% said, oh, I don't like to read. You know, I come here to hang out with my friends. They'd look at um, uh, corp magazines or motorcycle magazines or gun magazines, but they weren't reading books. And as I, my last stop was Seattle, Washington. That's yeah. prob that's a long way from Louisiana, but it got me to thinking that was a whole generation of people that I heard saying, I don't like to read. That made them illiterate. You can't. Reading is like it trains your brain to become a movie screen to so you can imagine you can um, you can imagine it and put the parts together just like you did to do that podcast, you know, and for someone that doesn't read, they wind up getting stuck where their parents are or which can be in poverty or on welfare or what we have here. Um, Yeah. What we have here is welfare. The government takes care of them and they have no ambition in life at all. I thought, if that generation gets to be my age, who are we going to have as a president? We need to find a way to get these kids excited about reading. Yeah. So I went on a campaign. Lord, did I ever. I went to high schools around the country, spoke to thousands of high school people, and didn't tell them about the importance of reading. You know, it's like yeah. you go to the kid, you go to a 14 year old and you say, you need to read because if you don't, blah, 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 blah. You know what they're going to tell you, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what I did was I told them my story. Yeah. And which was um, my parents split up when I was eight and I was raised by an abusive mother. Um. I had very low self-esteem. I was a wallflower. I was an introvert. I believed I had no worth in life. But every once in a while, when I got to sneak away after my chores, which were cooking, cleaning the house and watching over my brother and sister who were younger than me, um, I would go to the little library which was about a half a block away. And the librarian knew me because I was in there every weekend and in the summer, every chance I could get away. And she would let me go to any section I wanted, not just the kids section, but any section. So I would read about people like Abraham Lincoln or Martin Luther King, or people who had come from squalor, to make to become president of the United States, to become a leader of a vast group of people. How did they do that? So I read everything I could about them because something inside of me said, I'm not going to grow up to be my mother. I'm not going to follow that. Um, in school, I had I didn't have friends. 
when recess would come around, I would sit alone and read. You know, I didn't I don't like I didn't like partying. I didn't like talking about boys. Uh, the first guy I dated was at 16 and we wanted we got married. I was 16. Wow. And we were married for 35 years. And then I discovered a few things that were not great, went against the grain of my um, morals and values. And so I divorced him. And um, so I was divorced and uh, alone, which I'm fine with. I didn't expect to ever get married again. I didn't want to because I had taken care of myself since I was eight years old. Yeah. During that time, I went to work for a company that as a receptionist. Now, I have a degree in marketing, mm -hmm. but the, the job market was very uh, poor back then. So all that was available was a receptionist job. And when I went in for the interview, there were 10 other people waiting to be interviewed. So when I walked in, I knew I had one shot. And the one guy asked me, he said, why should I choose you over all these other people that are there? I said, and it just came into my head. I said, because I'm going to make sure that I'm the best business decision you made this year. And I was hired. Within seven years, I became the first female executive vice president of a transportation company in the United States. Um, I developed a logistics company for them. And there suddenly came a technology for retail fuel that uh, was on the market. And um, I, I decided I was making six figures a year. I left it. I left it with zero insight to start my own company because I knew there was a need. Within three months of starting my company, I was making more money than what I was making at the job before it. Amazing. It was going by gut. It was going by instinct. What I knew that I knew that I knew, you know? Yeah. And, um, I that company ran for 25 years. I sold it and did a 190. And uh, of course, I was now I was working, um, going to school and had three kids at this time. My kids, two are dead now, and my oldest is going for her master's yeah. in um, she wants to be a therapist. Well, I left. Um, I, I was supposed to retire. You know, I'm going to retire when they put a concrete thing on the ground that said that has my name on it. And it'll say now she retired. Because I'm dead. I don't do retirement. I'm too young. Yeah. So I went back to school. And that's when I, I became a certified hypnotherapist. Um, I'm a certified NLP practitioner. Wow. Um, 
and master uh, therapeutic imagery practitioner and an MER practitioner. So, and it's for the same reason that I did literacy. It was to give people hope. I wanted to give those teenagers. I told them my background. I came from the projects, from this kind of stuff. You know, I would have to go to school in long sleeves and pants, even in the summertime, because I didn't want anybody to see my bruises. Mm -hmm. My mother didn't just hit me. She'd take a broomstick after me. I would hear things like, I hate you and wish you were dead. She was, I began to, I began to realize this wasn't a mother. It was a sick woman who did not see the proper doctor. I was brought there to protect my brother and sister. When I went to see these high school kids, my passion for giving them hope that they could get out of whatever situation they were in and be their own person was my biggest drive. And I said, what saved my life was reading because I knew other people had done it. If they could do it, why couldn't I? Yeah. I just had to, I just had to realize I was my own individual person. I wasn't just my mother's daughter. Yeah. You know, I was my own person. And that's how literacy got started. I would give them, we would raise money to give them e-readers so they could choose. E-readers has uh, thousands of free books you can download. Yeah. So that way they could pick a genre that interested them. Because if you, in, if they find something interesting, they'll read it. But if you try to force something like Moby Dick, which is this thick and boring, <laughs> you know, when you're a freshman in high school, yeah. you're going to you're going to see all reading as I don't want it. Yeah. Let them read something they love. They will come to learn a love to read and they will eventually get to the classics to see what they're all about. Yeah, it's really great helping others and you're changing millions of lives. Like reading books, I literally, uh, I was not a guy. I, I was a pretty shy kind of guy. And reading books had really uh, changed me as of, like it, it, it ignited the change, right? The habit of reading, it, yes. it was uh, taught by my father. She, uh, he just used to give, give me books. And that's how I inhibited. So uh, it's I really appreciate it. And uh, you have been into many professions, and you've you've run a business, and you've uh, you've run a six-figure six business. And it's really inspiring to me. Let me tell you this. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for being here again. So let's uh, end this with a rapid-fire questioning session. I'll I'll, I'll shoot you. Uh, I'll shoot you with a couple of questions. And you need okay. to ans answer them uh, uh, less than one minute, right? <laughs> All right, let's go. Yeah. So first question, uh, why do ghost hunters investigate in the dark? Because they're stupid. <laughs> okay. Ghosts can appear in the daytime too. 
to test my accuracy level. So I wanted to, because I wanted to be, I wanted to make sure I was the real deal. Yeah, it's true, true. So uh, what is the best way to call out a spirit? Call out to no. a spirit? Don't. No? Okay. Because okay. you don't know what you're calling. You don't know what you're going to get. Okay. So are Ouija boards real? Or what? Ouija boards. Ouija boards don't touch. Because okay. again, it calls in spirits. It opens a door to the spirit world. And you don't know what's going to come through it. They are real. Don't mess with them. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So the last question. Yes. So how do I get rid of the negative energy surrounding around me? Oh, good question. And I can't answer that in one minute. Um, negative energy. Uh, there are two things. If it's in your house, you can get, I don't know if you have it available there, but it's called white cedar sage. You get it in a bundle. You light it so that it produces smoke and you walk around the house with it, especially the corners. You open windows in your house. You sage it saying um, that you're commanding every negative energy out of this house. And then you say to yourself to get that energy off of you. I recommend that somebody who feels negative energy attaches easily to them to carry uh, onyx or obsidian stone with them in their pocket. And it repels negative. And then in the other pocket to keep a small crystal because that attracts positive. I keep both of these right here on my desk because yeah. I do a lot of readings and hypnotherapy over Zoom. Yeah, interesting. So uh, I think uh, I'm out of questions, right? I have, uh, I have a great talk with you. I'm glad that you're here. Um, um, really, you've uh, literally changed my perspective of seeing things. Uh, thank you so much. I thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.